وَأَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ تُقَاتِهِ وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار بارك الله فيكم مرحبا اهلا وسهلا I want to mention briefly some important points and matters in relation to our deen, the deen of Islam, the deen that Allah Azza wa Jal has perfected and completed and is pleased with for all of mankind. The deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which he sent his last prophet and messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with revealing to him the Qur'an as well as the authentic sunnah. As both matters our revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is not possible to practice Islam without the Sunnah. As we have in this day and time 
those who ascribe themselves to Islam and those who are openly professing their disbelief in Islam. We have from them those who say that which will cause a person to have doubt in the Sunnah. And that the Sunnah or the Ahadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam are not reliable. Muhammad ibn Yahya he said Samitu Yahya ibn Yahya Yakul Adhab an Sunnah Afdal min al Jihad fi Sabilillah. Muhammad ibn Yahya he said, I heard Yahya ibn Yahya say, defending the sunnah is more of a virtue than going out and striving in the path of Allah. Muhammad, he said, قُتْ لِيَحْيَا الرَّجْلُ يُنْفِقْ مَالَهُ وَيَطْعَبْ وَيُتْعِبْ نَفْسَهُ وَيُجَاهِدْ فَهَذَا أَفْضَلْ مِنْهُ قَالَ نَعَمْ بِكَثِيرٌ so Muhammad he asked or said to Yahya bin Yahya, the man who spends his wealth and tires himself out and physically strives for the sake of Allah, this individual who defends the sunnah is better than him? And Yahya bin Yahya said, yes, by much. The sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we speak about the sunnah being revelation, we're talking about five matters. A sunnah al-i'tiqadiyah, the sunnah of creed, that which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam believed. A sunnatul qawliyah, the verbal sunnah. That which the Prophet ﷺ said, meaning from the statements of Ibadah, as Sunnatul Fi'liyah, that which the Prophet ﷺ did, meaning the Sunnah of his actions, the acts of Ibadah, as Sunnatul At-Taqririyah, or as Sunnatul Taqririyah. The sunnah of approval, the things that the Prophet ﷺ approved of, this is also a part of the sunnah, and it is based upon revelation from Allah. 
And lastly, as-sunnatu tarqiyya, the sunnah of abandonment, the things that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam left off, seeking nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is from the sunnah. Allah Azza wa Jal, when He sends a messenger, He sends that messenger to be obeyed. As Allah He states, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا لِيُطَاعَ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ We have not sent from a messenger except that he is to be obeyed by the permission of Allah. So the origin when it comes to the messengers is that messengers are to be obeyed. Why? Because they are conveying the message of Allah to the people. And they are not speaking from their desires. As Allah states about the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَمَا يَنْتِكُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَىٰ إِلَّا وَحْيُ يُوحَىٰ And he does not speak from his desires, meaning the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He does not speak from his desires. It is only revelation that is revealed to him. Meaning that that which the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam conveyed to the people of the religious affairs, this is not from himself. This is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that which we find in the authentic sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in him conveying to us the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is not something that he made up himself. So for this reason, Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions in the Qur'an, وَمَن يُتِعِ الرَّسُولِ فَقَدْ أَطَعَ اللَّهِ Therefore, whoever obeys the messenger, then he has obeyed Allah. Because it is Allah who has sent him to convey the message. Opposing the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu can put one in a state of great danger. Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةً أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ That's Surah Al-Nur. Let them be aware those who oppose his command. Whose command here is Allah speaking about? Allah is speaking about the command of the Prophet Let those be aware who oppose his command that some fitna, trial or tribulation will befall them or a painful torment. Fitna Meaning a person is tried and afflicted in his religion with calamity. 
And from the greatest of the calamities that a person can be afflicted with in his religious affairs is a shirk billah azawajal. So you find the likes of Al-Imam Ahmad Rahimahullah Ta'ala when he explained the fitna he mentioned that it is shirk. And how a person can oppose the command of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and then it leads him to disbelieving. It leads him to falling into a shirk billah azawajal. Or he can be afflicted with a painful torment in this life or in the hereafter, or both. Due to opposing the command of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Also we have the statement of Allah showing how disobeying not only him subhanahu wa ta'ala but disobeying his messenger it can lead a person to misguidance as Allah azawajal he mentions وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنًا إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ وَمَنْ يَعْسِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ ضَلَالًا مُبِينًا Allah, he states, and this is Surah Al-Ahzab, It is not befitting for the male or the female believer that when Allah and His Messenger, Allah didn't just mention Himself here, Allah says, Allah and His Messenger, that when Allah and His Messenger have decreed a matter to be, or judged a matter to be, or ruled that a matter is to be, it is not befitting for the believing male or the female believer to have a choice in their affair. And whoever disobeys Allah and His Messenger has clearly gone astray. Has clearly gone astray. It's a manifest error. So here Allah Azawajal has ruled that whoever disobeys Him and whoever disobeys His Messenger this person has clearly gone astray. What's the benefit in mentioning disobeying the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam What's the benefit in mentioning disobeying the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when Allah knows at the time of revealing this verse and no, but prior to that, as Allah knows everything, nothing escapes the knowledge of Allah, and Allah's knowledge is not preceded by ignorance. When Allah revealed this verse to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Allah knew the Prophet is going to die one day. So what's the purpose or the point of mentioning being obedient 
to the messenger when he's going to die one day and no longer be physically present. The benefit is, although he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, will die, his sunnah will live on. His teachings will live on. Meaning that which is not present in the Qur'an. Obeying Allah is to obey the Qur'an. As the Qur'an is the speech of Allah which is not created. So we have the words of Allah here. So where is being obedient to the Messenger at? Because the Messenger himself, sallallahu alayhi wa is not alive with us today. So how do we obey the Messenger? Except that we have to follow his sunnah, which we find in the authentic ahadith. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned... And this narration is on the authority of Abi Huraira radiallahu an. Qala an-nabiyyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taraktu fikum shay'ain. Lan tadillu ba'dahuma. Kitab Allah wa sunnati. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he mentioned I have left amongst you two things. You will never go astray after them. The book of Allah and my sunnah. So here the Prophet ﷺ in this narration is authentic. He's saying that he's leaving amongst the Muslim ummah two matters. And if they are to hold on to these two things, they will never go astray after them. The book of Allah, the Quran, and his sunnah, which we find in the authentic ahadith. Another narration we have, showing the importance of holding to the sunnah, the Prophet ﷺ said, Ala inni utitul kitaba wa bithlahu Indeed, I have been given the Qur'an or the book, which is the Qur'an, and it's like along with it. Indeed, I have been given the book and it's like along with it. What is similar to the book of Allah? The sunnah. From what angle? From the angle of it being revelation. That's the similarity. That both are revelation from Allah, except that the Quran is the speech of Allah not created. Whereas the Sunnah is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the words of the Prophet or in the actions of the Prophet. As for the Quran, it is revelation from Allah to Prophet Muhammad in the words of Allah. Quran is the speech of Allah which is not created. The Prophet he went on to mention Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Ala Yushik Rajurun Shabaan Ala Arikatihi Yakul 
عليكم بهذا القرآن فما وجدتم فيه من حلال فأحلوه وما وجدتم فيه من حرام فحرموه The Prophet sallallahu spoke about a time that will come where a man who is filled or he is full, full-bellied, meaning he has eaten to his fill, he's reclining on his couch and he says to the people, upon you is this Qur'an, meaning upon you is following the Qur'an and that's it. So whatever you find in it from halal, then make it halal. And whatever you find in it that's haram, make it haram. What's the point of this narration? There's no mentioning of the sunnah. People coming, the Prophet foretold, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, of people who will come and just tell, and tell the people to just hold on to the Qur'an. And whatever you find in the Qur'an, then that's what you hold on to. Meaning diverting them away from following the sunnah. That's why the Prophet mentioned in the beginning, Indeed, I have been given the book, and it's like along with it. But there's going to come a time where you'll find a man reclining on his couch, saying, whatever you find, upon you is following this Qur'an, whatever you find in it to be halal, declare it to be halal, whatever you find in it to be haram, then declare it to be haram. So the point here is that this individual, he's directing the people away from following the sunnah of the Prophet and in reality, following the sunnah is present in the Qur'an. Allah Azawajal, He mentions, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُضُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ شَدِيدُ الْإِقَابِ And whatever the messenger gives you, take it. And whatever the messenger forbids you from, leave it off. And fear Allah, indeed, Allah is severe in punishment. The Qur'an is for all of mankind. For all generations. From the time of the Prophet ﷺ until the Day of Judgment. How can that verse be implemented except through following the Sunnah? Of the Prophet Sallallahu whatever the messenger gives you, take it. Whatever the messenger forbids you from, abstain from it. Where do we find that which the messenger has given us except in the authentic hadith? Where do we find the prohibitions of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu except in the authentic hadith? Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions Inna nahnu nazzalna dhikr wa inna lahu lahafidun Allah Azza wa Jal, He states Indeed, we have revealed the revelation, and indeed, we will preserve it. 
Allah revealed the Quran and the Sunnah. It's both a revelation. So when Allah says He will preserve the revelation, He's not just speaking about the Quran. Because Allah sent both. He sent both the Quran and the Sunnah. Not just the Quran. But he said the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Al Imam Shatibi Rahimahullah he states Hadihi Sharia al Mubaraka Ma'suma Kama Anna Sahibaha Ma'sum Kama Kanat Ummatuhu Fi Majtamaat Ali Ma'suma Al Imam Shatibi Rahimahullah Ta'ala he stated that this blessed legislation is protected and free from error. Just as the companion of it, meaning the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu he's the one who came with this blessed legislation, he's also free from error, meaning in that which he conveys to the people from Allah, he makes no mistakes in what he conveys. As for being a human being, and uh, he can forget something, that's possible. That's possible. As for him being a human being, and he doesn't know something, yes, he's a human being. But when it came to what was revealed to him from Allah, and that which he conveyed to the people, there are no mistakes in that which he conveyed. The Prophet ﷺ is protected from error in that. And just as his ummah, when they unite upon a matter, they are protected and free from error. But here's the question, what ummah is being referred to here? Because ummah is of two categories, ummatul da'wah and ummatul ijabah. The Ummah Da'wah, this is the nation of those who the call is directed to. And that's everyone. From the time the Prophet ﷺ became the Prophet and Messenger until the Day of Judgment. Anyone living during this time is from the Ummah of Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. And then you have Ummatul Ijabah, the Ummah who responded to his call. Which one is being referred to here? The second, Ummatul Ijaba, the Ummah who has responded to the call of Prophet Muhammad wasallam. They are the ones that when they unite upon a matter, then they are free from error. As the Prophet wasallam mentioned, Inna Allaha la hadihi al-Ummah ala dolala abada. That indeed Allah, He will never unite this nation upon misguidance. So when the Muslims unite upon an affair, then this is a matter of deen. And first and foremost, this is applicable to the Sahaba. 
radiyallahu anhum ajma'in. Whenever the Sahaba united upon an affair, that's the religion. For they are the first of the ummah. The narration is not to be applied to the non-Muslims. Because if that's the case, then they disagree with the Prophet ﷺ about Islam being the truth. Right? So you can't take their opinion into consideration regarding these religious affairs or say, well, everybody has to be united in order for it to be said without a shadow of a doubt that Islam is the truth. No, no, subhanAllah, bihamdi. Or that the person has to pray five times a day. Everybody in the world doesn't agree to that. Everybody in the world doesn't agree that one must fast Ramadan. Everybody in the world doesn't agree that one must make hajj. Everybody in the world doesn't agree that zakat has to be... Everybody in the world doesn't agree that the Muslims are in agreement to that. This is why you find the scholars, they say, the five daily prayers are established by way of the kitab and the sunnah and the ijma', the consensus. This matter has been established by the kitab and the sunnah and the ijma'. The ijma' of the Muslims, not the ijma' of the, with the disbelievers and the Muslims together. So ummah in the narration is referring to the Islamic ummah and not the ummah of the people who the call is directed to. Who have, which includes those who have responded and those who have not responded. Allah, be, be patient, inshallah. Allah Azza wa Jal He mentions how the shaitan attempts to distort the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And cause corruption in that which Allah has revealed. Allahu. Allah, He mentions, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولٍ وَلَا نَبِيٍ إلَّا إِذَا تَمَنَّى أَلْقَى الشَّيْطَانُ فِي أُمْنِيَّتِهِ فَيَنْسَخُ اللَّهُ مَا يُلْقِ الشَّيْطَانُ ثُمَّ يُحْكِمُ اللَّهُ آيَاتِهِ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ That's Surah Al-Hajj, verse 52. Listen to what Allah says. The meaning of His words. Never did we send a messenger or a prophet before you, except when he did recite the revelation or narrated or spoke, the shaitan attempted to throw falsehood into it or he threw some falsehood into it. 
But Allah abolishes that which the shaitan throws into the mix of the revelation. And then Allah establishes his revelation and Allah is all knower and all wise. This is from the ways of the shaitan. To confuse the people about the revelation of Allah. To distort the revelation of Allah. To change the revelation of Allah. But Allah, He protected the prophets and the messengers from this. So that when Allah revealed to them, and the shaitan came to distort that which Allah revealed, Allah abolished and removed the falsehood of the shaitan and established His revelation with the prophets and the messengers. As Allah mentions, Kitabun Uhkimat Ayatuhu, a book which its verses are preserved. A book which its verses are preserved. So Allah establishes that He preserves His verses, and no falsehood can be mixed with them. No changing can be mixed with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even though the sunnah is not mentioned in the verse, but it is included. Why? Because Allah says in other places in the Quran, He preserves and protects the revelation, which includes the sunnah. So if the verses are protected... And the verse says that the revelation is protected. That means the sunnah is protected. <clears throat> Abu Amr al-Dani, he mentioned on Abu al-Hasan, Ibn al-Muntab, he said, one day I was with Al-Qadi Abu Ishaq Ismail Ibn Ishaq. And it was said to him, Lima jaza al-tabdeel ala ahl al-Tawrah wa lam yajuz ala ahl al-Quran. It was said to him, why is it allowed? Why? Why is it allowed for the people of the Torah that the Torah can change, but it is not allowed for the people of the Quran, meaning that the Quran can change? You see the angle? Okay, the Torah is from Allah, right? Revelation from Allah to Musa alayhi salam. However, we know that the Torah has been changed. Right? So how is it that the Torah can be changed, but the Quran can't be changed? 
So Al-Qadi, he responded, قال الله عز وجل في أهل التوراة بما استحفظوا من كتاب الله فوكل الحفظ إليهم فجاز التبديل عليهم وقال في القرآن إنا نحن نزلنا الذكر وإنا له لحافظون فلم يجوز التبديل عليهم So Al-Qadi he stated Allah Azza wa Jal said regarding the people of the Torah for to them was entrusted the protection of Allah's book so Allah entrusted them to preserve the Torah so it was possible or allow for the Torah to be changed because Allah gave them the responsibility to protect and preserve the Torah but Allah said regarding the Quran indeed we have revealed the revelation and we will preserve it so when Allah says that he's going to preserve the Quran it's not possible or allow for anyone to change the Quran different from the Torah where Allah entrusted those men, those religious men to preserve it, but they did not fulfill their trust. So the Qur'an, Allah didn't entrust the preservation of the Qur'an to the people. Even though by way of the people, this is one of the means that the Qur'an is preserved. And the religion itself, through the hufal, the memorizers of the Qur'an. But Allah Azza wa Jal put the matter upon Himself of the preservation of the Qur'an and without a doubt there can never be any change so Ali he stated that he went to Abu Abdullah Al-Muhamili and he mentioned the story of what happened so he said مَا سَمِعْتُ كَلَامًا أَحْسَنْ مِنْ هَذَا so Abu Abdullah al-Muhamini, he said, I have not heard any speech better than this. Meaning he agreed with that other scholar, like this, this is correct. That Allah entrusted the people of the Torah to preserve and protect the Torah. They failed. Whereas the Qur'an, Allah put it upon himself to preserve it. Therefore, the Qur'an is preserved and can never be distorted. Another point The Quran Explained Or is explained By way of the Sunnah Hassan ibn Atiyah He stated Kana Jibreel 
ينزل على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بالسنة كما ينزل عليه بالقرآن Hassan ibn Atiyah, he stated that Jibreel used to descend upon the Prophet with the Sunnah just as he would descend upon him with the Quran. Suleiman Atayni, he said, Ahadithun Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam indana kattanzeel. He said the narrations of the Prophet with us is similar to the revelation, meaning from the Quran. So the Sunnah, it explains the Qur'an. Meaning by that, Allah commands us to establish the prayer. However, the details of how to pray are not present in the Qur'an. Meaning by wording. You do not find in order to enter into the prayer, you say Allahu Akbar. You do not find once you enter into the prayer, or when you say Allahu Akbar, raise your hands at the time of saying Allahu Akbar or before or after. And all three is okay. You do not find the opening dua that you make after entering into the prayer, whichever one you choose from to say. You do not find then uh, now recite Fatiha. And if you don't recite Fatiha, you don't have no prayer. And then after the Fatiha, right, you recite another surah, right? And then you say Allahu Akbar and go on to... You don't find the Salat described like that in the Quran with the details. Do this, then do this, then do that, then do... What you find is the general command in the Qur'an to pray, the general command to recite Qur'an in your prayer. You find the general command, bow down with those who bow down. You find in general, but when it deals with the specifics of these different aspects of the Salat, you find these matters being mentioned in the Sunnah. So what would the Prophet say? Pray the way you see me pray. So now when it comes to the details of the salah and how to make the salah, right? You find that in the sunnah. So this is what's meant by the sunnah explains the Qur'an. Does this mean that there is a deficiency in the Qur'an? No. Because the Qur'an itself directs you to take the sunnah. And from the wisdom of Allah, Everything in the religion is not put into the Qur'an. Can you imagine if every single authentic hadith was put into the Qur'an? Very huge. Very huge. SubhanAllah. So Allah Azza wa Jal, from His wisdom, clarify matters in the Qur'an and in some matters, the wording is general, but you're directed to following the Prophet ﷺ for the details.
And this is why you have obey Allah and obey the Messenger. Obey Allah and obey the Messenger. Whoever obeys Allah and the Messenger. That's why you have the mentioning of both. And this is why this sunnah is relevant. Because there is no obeying the Messenger وسلم, after his death except through the sunnah. And you can look at the matter of zakat, the matter of fasting, the matter of hajj. And these are pillars of Islam. Salah, zakat, fasting, and making hajj. The details of how to perform these acts of worship are mentioned in the sunnah. So whenever the hadith is authentic, then we follow it. Not every hadith is authentic. Rather, some people have lied on Prophet Muhammad And there is a staunch warning against this. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, مَنْ كَذَبَ عَلَيَّ مُتَعَمِّدًا فَيَتَّبَوَّ مَقَعَدَهُ مِنَ النَّارِ That whoever lies upon me intentionally, then let him take his seat in the hellfire. Another wording, مَنْ كَذَبَ عَلَيَّ فَلْيَتَّبَوَّ مَقَعَدَهُ مِنَ النَّارِ That whoever lies on me, without the mentioning of the word intentionally. This is a severe threat. For those who lie on Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, why? Because if a person lies on Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and says, "Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said this," the people are going to think now that this is from Allah because the Prophet conveys on Allah. And what does Allah say? وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا And who is worse and more oppressive than the one who invents a lie against Allah? So lying upon Allah and lying upon the Messenger of Allah وسلم, this is the worst category of lying. Except that it is extremely difficult and basically impossible to lie upon Allah regarding the Quran. So what do people do? They try to find an angle through the sunnah. But alhamdulillah, the sunnah is also preserved. And Allah Azza wa Jal has decreed that we have the science of hadith. And through this science, we are able to distinguish the authentic narrations from the weak and fabricated narrations. Alhamdulillah. This is how Allah Azza wa Jal preserve His religion. Because if we cannot trust the hadith, then the religion is lost. The religion is lost. Because how are we going to pray? 
How are we going to fast? How are we going to make hajj? How do we pay zakat? How? The details are not mentioned in the Quran specifically. Just as there is no contradiction in the Quran, likewise there is no contradiction in the Sunnah. Because it's revelation. It's revelation from Allah. And whenever it seems that there is a contradiction, first and foremost, don't blame the text. Blame your lack of knowledge of understanding the text. Secondly, there is a way to bring harmony between the texts. Thirdly, there may not be a way to bring harmony. Why? Because one text abrogates the other. Sometimes a matter seems to be a contradiction, but it's not. It's just another way to do something, another way to say something. So you can bring harmony between the texts. Or one hadith is dealing with a specific case or situation when that's applicable, and the other one deals with another case and situation. No contradiction. But then there are times when they, one cannot bring harmony between the texts. One clearly opposes the other. Is this a contradiction? No. Now the issue is establishing whether the matter is abrogated or not. And when one is not able to bring harmony and one is able to establish a time frame that one text came after the other, this is when you can establish that the earlier text is abrogated by the latter text. And then the last matter is a tarjih, when one text is more weighty than the other. And that's the one that is taken. So alhamdulillah, there are no contradictions in our religion. The religion of Allah is perfect and complete, free from error. And those who ascribe themselves to Islam, and they speak ill of the hadith, unrestrictedly, you can't take those hadith. But yet you find these same individuals who ascribe themselves to Islam quoting hadith. When they think is in agreement with their agenda, their quota hadith. SubhanAllah. So what is it? Either we can take the hadith or we can't take hadith. Right? Either we can take hadith or we cannot take the hadith. Which one? No, we take the authentic narrations, the authentic hadith. And that which is not authentically reported on the Prophet ﷺ, we don't take it. 
We don't take it. But for one to criticize all of the hadith and to cause doubt in the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, this is an, a major error. As for the Orientalist, the Kuffar, we expect that from them. But not from a person who says, Ashadu anna, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa Ashadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A person testifies to the oneness of Allah, that means you're going to worship Allah alone. A person testifies to the messengership of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa means you're going to follow him. How are you going to follow him if we can't take the hadith? If all of the hadith are no good? And then if you say, okay, some hadith are good and others are bad, then what's the criterion to distinguish between the bad and the good? And it can't be your personal agenda. Whatever agrees with what me and my party are trying to promote, then these are the authentic hadith. That's chaos, because each party going to choose what they want to choose to go against the other. Is ignorance at its best. Ignorance for sure, because again, how does a person testify that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu is the messenger of Allah, which means we're going to obey him, we're going to follow him, but gotta be careful with those hadith. All the hadith are, are, are no good. Yes, there are fabricated hadith, like the hadith that Allah created Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was from his light. Yeah, that's fabricated because there should be lies of which the chain is. For sure. And Allah, Allah did not create Prophet Muhammad from his light. So now that gives the Prophet Muhammad divinity. No, that shouldn't be It's rejected. So we, we don't say accept all hadith. Rather we say accept all the authentic hadith. And hadith, the accepted hadith are four categories. Number one, As-Sahih, that which is authentic. And the authentic hadith is the hadith where the chain of narrators is connected. Everyone in the chain heard from the other. It reaches the Prophet ﷺ. Everyone is uh, reliable when it comes to them narrating and their integrity and their religion. These individuals, they have precision in what they narrate, and their integrity is intact. This is the authentic narration. The narration is free from any, any uh, defects, apparent or hidden, right? Again, the chain is connected. This is the authentic narration. Then you have as-sahih The hadith that's authentic, but due to other than itself. And this is a narration, the chain is, is connected. However, maybe one of the narrators or the narrator maybe has some issues in his memorization. Maybe make a mistake here or there. So it drops from being sahih to meaning because now there's another chain that strengthens that chain which raises it back up. But by itself, it's the third level, al-hasan li-dhatihi. So you have as-sahih li-dhatihi, the narration that is authentic based upon itself. 
than a sahih the narration that's authentic based upon other than it. Because it's a, it's a supporting evidence, a supporting chain. It strengthens it, raises it back up. Then you have al-hasan lidatihi, a narration that is hasan by itself. That's the narration where the chain is connected, but then maybe uh, one of the narrators, his memory is not that great. He's truthful, but he makes mistakes sometimes, something of that nature. So it drops down from being authentic on its own to a good narration on its own, but it's still accepted. And then the last category is Al-Hassan Li-Ghayrihi A narration that is good based upon it. Originally Al-Hassan Li-Ghayrihi is da'if, is a weak hadith However due to supporting chains, it raises it up To being a good hadith, but not based upon its own merit Because of other narrations supporting it Or other chains supporting it and then you have that which is extremely weak. Can't be helped by any other narration, doesn't matter. No matter how many narrations you bring, it will never be strengthened because the weakness is too severe. You have that which is fabricated on the Prophet rejected. These narrations that have in the chains, like people who have been accused of lying or people who is established that they are liars, or individuals that are unknown or the chain of narration is disconnected each person did not take from the other there's someone missing or two people missing in the chain or is a narration on a tabi'i on the Prophet and that tabi'i is known to take from other tabi'i not only from the Sahaba so there's a possibility that the narration is really on a tabi'i who is weak Right? Who did not hear from the Sahaba who said the Prophet said. Narration rejected. Look how this is the science that preserves our religion by Allah's permission. It's, no, it's not accepted. It's not accepted. It's not accepted. No, fabrication is like you have individuals who are known to fabricate hadith. They have been busted, for lack of better words. They have been exposed. So you see them in a the chain and there's a a narration that no one has ever narrated and the wording is extremely strange and odd and against the religion no 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 we have books where the scholars uh, have exposed fabricated hadith and exposed individuals who are known to make up hadith there was one uh, a story about a Jew who have fabricated about 50,000 hadith, if I'm not mistaken. And he got caught and he was taken in front of the Muslim ruler at the time. So the Muslim ruler, uh, he was judged that he was going to receive capital punishment because of the corruption he's trying to cause in the religion. So he said, wait, I fabricated 50,000 hadith. Let me go and he said, don't worry. We have the likes of someone, someone, so also from the scholars of hadith, they'll find him. And take him. Alhamdulillah. SubhanAllah, our religion is, is preserved. You know, so the Muslims, we must be careful. We have to understand and believe that our religion is preserved, and that includes the Sunnah. Barakallah fikum. Subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, ashadu wa la ilaha ila anta staghfirullah wa